this week asking myself, Gary, why is it that you make resolutions but you can't seem to go through all the way? What is it that, what is it, Gary, that, that's stopping you from getting the full distance out of your resolutions? And some of those are promises to God. I promised God I, I would do some things. Yet I find myself at the end of the year saying, man, what happened? You know, what happened? Let me read a passage of scripture from Isaiah, chapter 43, and I'm reading from verses 18 through to 20. But it really is in the context of what has been happening to Israel and what has God has done for Israel and what Israel has not done for God. And then we read this passage of scripture. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the heart, in the desert. The beasts of the field will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters to the wilderness and rivers to the desert. To give drink to my people, the people whom I formed myself will declare my praise. The Apostle Paul takes that same passage and puts it in a different light in Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on toward the goal for, uh, for the prize. The prize, upward, the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. When I think about New Year's and when I've thought about this week, I've been asking myself, why is it that we can't get a good start with our promises and our resolutions? What, why does it only last 30 days and not last for the full year? I found this story about a married couple who'd been out shopping most of the day, New Year's Day. Suddenly the wife realized that her husband had disappeared. Somewhat irate, she called her husband's mobile and demanded, where are you? Darling, do you remember that little jewelry shop where you saw that beautiful diamond necklace and totally fell in love with it? But I didn't have the money at the time and I said, darling, It'll be yours one day. The wife with tremendous anticipation says, yes, I do remember that, my love. Husband said, well, I'm in the pub next to the shop. I want to speak to you this morning, not simply because it's New Year's Day, but I want to speak to you about a pattern that I believe God has laid on my heart this week. Specifically, maybe specifically for me, but I think it's for everyone. And I don't think it's just getting a fresh start in New Year's. It's a pattern of how you get a fresh start every day. 
if you need it. If you're falling into those places in your spiritual walk or in your life that you're committing yourself to things but seem to be drifting off quickly from whatever that is, I wonder how many this morning would really like to have a true fresh start that's going to take them to the next level of their spiritual walk, to the next level of their faith. John 10.10 says, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. I wanted to share to you that the, the devil does not want us to have a fresh start. He wants to keep us exactly where we are. He wants to keep us at whatever level we're at. He wants to convince us that that's satisfying enough. But I say to you, as I said to myself all week, no, sir, it's not enough for me. It is not enough. The good news is the Lord says, forget, forget what lies behind. Forget what lies behind. And press on. Press on. I want to share with you a formula that I believe God has laid on my heart. Maybe it's just for me, and that's okay. But somehow I sense he laid it on my heart because it's for all of us. I said some of you didn't pick up the white sheet that I made, and that's okay. Because the formula is an acrostic called start. Start fresh. And what I want to share with you this morning, I think, is the formula that will allow you, not only on New Year's Day or New Year's first day of the year, but the days of your life when you find yourself not continuing to move that march that God might be calling you to. The S stands for stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. If I want a fresh start in my life, I have to stop making excuses about my failures. I've got to stop blaming other people or other things or other circumstances for why I am who I am. I've got to stop seeing myself as a victim of my circumstances. I'm going to share a very personal story with you. And it may be difficult. But it's a story that has a happy ending. When I grew up, I grew up in a family of six boys, as many of you know. We weren't a very wealthy family. We lived in uh, somewhat of a, you know, just a poverty-type lifestyle. But we, it was a good lifestyle. But because we were, uh, we were, my dad was in the military, and at that time they didn't have married quarters in military bases. They just, we, we fended for ourselves, and my dad went to work every day at the Air Force Base. And because of that, we had a very small house. And that house only had two bedrooms. And so my brothers and I had to kind of share uh, double beds in different places in the house. 
I shared one with my older brother, Wayne, who is now with, with the Lord. But when I was young, my brother, Wayne, sexually abused me all the time that we slept together. I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to hurt anybody. And we know all the implications if, if you've ever gone through that. That event had a powerful impact on a lot of decisions I made in my younger days and before my relationship with Jesus. A lot of very bad decisions, immoral decisions. But I always convinced myself it was because of that that I was the way I was. I lived with that even after being a Christian for some time, facing all of the decisions I'd made before I found Christ, and even some after. And as I grew in my faith, I realized I had to deal with this. That was complicated and compounded when my brother who was married at the time, with two wonderful children, declared in the front page of the Calgary Herald through a story that they had written on him that he was gay. That compounded things for me. I felt like I had to prove I wasn't gay. Because how would he be attracted to me? Why would he do what he did if I wasn't gay? And I lived with that for a number of years. And it had its impact on my life in a number of ways. Finally, after 25 years, I said to my wife, I had not spoken to my brother in 25 years. I said to my wife, Alice, one day, not long after I was a believer, I've got to go and deal with this with Wayne. He was living in Toronto at the time, and he was employed by the federal government uh, talking about AIDS, as he had contacted AIDS and had full-blown AIDS. And when I went down to see him, I challenged him, I talked to him, I faced him, I told him how much it hurt me. And he was very, he was very repentant. He was very sad. And so we had a good relationship. We spent a week together, we laughed together, we played pool together. He even drugged me down to the gay bar a couple of times. But we had a new relationship. And that was great. And Wayne and I talked a lot after that. But it still had its impact. And I was making decisions. And when I would make a bad decision, I would often allow the devil to convince me it was because of that sexual abuse. God has said to me this week, Stop making excuses. The decisions you make are your decisions. And stop blaming them on things. If you really want a fresh start, 
Stop doing that. Stop thinking that it's somebody else's fault or somebody else's problem. Start being honest and face your situations. I struggled all the years, for many years after being a believer, why God would you allow that to happen? But I say to you this morning, I have let that go. I've said, it's me, it's not him. All the decisions I made prior to being a believer and after being a believer, the bad decisions, the drinking, that's me. And I ask God to forgive me. And I admitted to him, as I'm admitting to you, I can't blame others for the failures in my life or the missteps. It is me. If we want to start fresh, we have to be able to stop the excuses. And we have to be able to stop the lies that the devil will tell us because they're truly lies. I have a new kick in my step because I went through that process. The T stands for take an inventory of your life. Take an inventory of your life. That means I need to evaluate all my experiences I've had along with all the failures. Genesis chapter 3 and 4 says, You have experienced many things. Were all those experiences wasted? I hope not. Take an inventory of our life and our experiences. The Living Bible says, You have suffered so much for the gospel, now are you going to throw it all overboard? I can hardly believe it. We need to learn from our mistakes. Failure can be a friend or a foe. And for many years it was my foe. But we need to have the, understand the recognition that failure is the door to success. If we take the inventory. It can remain a foe or it can remain a success. I suggest to you there are four kinds of experiences that God uses to shape our lives. He uses our personal experiences. The family we grew up with, the relationship we have with others in our family, those are personal experiences that God wants to use in your life. He uses vocational and educational experience. And I'm really glad for that. It has kept me at a place that perhaps most scholars wouldn't be, because I don't consider myself a scholar. I have a grade seven education. After my third attempt at grade seven, the teacher thought there was something better I could do with my life. And I agreed. But because I only have that level of education, I don't get caught up in the high level of discussion because I, I can't get there. 
I love Pastor Zeke. I love Pastor Ken. I love Pastor Jim. Now there's another one in my life called Pastor Bill. They're all expository, high-level preachers. And I love them. But I had to recognize, because I have felt somewhat intimidated, I shared it with our board at our last board meeting, I felt somewhat intimidated speaking to four great expository preachers in my congregation. That kind of scared me a lot. But God has affirmed in my heart, I want to use your experience, your grade seven experience. That's what I want to use. He uses our spiritual experiences to shape us. And he uses painful experiences to shape us. As I take the inventory of my life in desiring to start over, I ask myself three questions. What have I learned? What are my assets? And who can I help? Three little simple questions. Three little simple questions. T stands for take your inventory of your life. What has God done for you and what experiences can you use from your spiritual walk that you can help others with? The Bible always says that those who of us are more spiritual need to walk alongside of the beginning spiritual children and walk with them and help them. Are we doing that? Let me ask you one question. Who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? We're called to be disciple builders. I asked myself that this week. I'm not sure I was happy with the answer as I was doing my inventory. I thought it's easy to get caught up in the office here and do the things. So I made a list of people that I choose to disciple this year. A stands for act of faith. The third step is getting a fresh start, the act of faith. You're launching out into a new territory. The Bible says that the key to changing anything is faith. If you want to improve your circumstances, it takes faith. If you want to change your personality, it takes faith. If you want to change anything in your life, you have to have some faith. Jesus says in Matthew 9, according to your faith will it be done. According to your faith will it be done. That's a very simple statement, but it's very powerful. That means we tend to get out of life what we expect. According to your faith, it will be done. I have said this many times, and you probably will hear me repeat and repeat and repeat to us as a church. Are you expecting God to do anything? Are you expecting God to do big things in your life, 
and in this church. Because if we're not expecting him to do anything, guess what? He will answer our expectations and get nothing. Are you expecting God to do big things in your life? I'm going to be 74 years old in April. But I expect God has still got big things for me to do. And I will never let go of that. No matter how old I get. My great, I'm so grateful to God that for whatever reason, he has chose to keep me healthy, mentally alert, and filled with energy. And I'm grateful for that. You remember that story I shared a couple of months ago about Peter and John at the Gate Beautiful? And they looked at the paraplegic, and the paraplegic looked at, up at them expecting something. And he got something, much more than he expected. And so we need to ask ourselves, in our act of faith, what are our expectations? Fourthly, R stands for refocus. I need to refocus my thoughts. I want to change my life. I want to get going again. I want a fresh start. I need to rethink the way I think. I need to change my mind about a number of issues. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. The way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. If you want to change your actions, just change the way you think. And it will inevitably change the way you act. Romans 12, 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many years ago, I struggled as a young believer trying to understand Jesus being Lord of my life. I, I couldn't quite understand. I, I just couldn't put that, I couldn't comprehend what that all meant. I read the words and I understood what my pastor was telling me. But I wanted him to truly be Lord of my life. And the one thing I needed to have in my life was a different way of thinking. Why do I say that? I want everyone to raise their left hand. Okay, good. Raise your right hand. Blink your eyes. Turn your head. Let me ask you something. The command came from my mouth to your what? Which are attached to what? Your mind. Everything we do comes from the command post of our physical life, which is truly the mind. Even our auto systems are connected to the mind. Many years ago, I said, Lord, if you're the Lord of my life, start by being the Lord of my mind. Start by being the Lord of the command post of my life that everything comes from. 
That means you have to refocus. When Jesus becomes the Lord of your mind, you will begin to refocus. I have to refocus my, start, my thoughts to start over fresh. It means I have to stop thinking of some old patterns. When I told my wife this, she said, does that mean when you go to bed tonight, you're not going to turn your iPad on and listen? Because it turns on, and she says, I can't sleep because you got that iPad on. I said, no, I can, I, I'm still going to listen, but I, I'll buy myself a set of uh, wireless earbuds so I, you, you don't have to see it. How do you start, how do you refocus? First, confess your failures. Confess your failures. Be honest with yourself when you take the inventory. Be honest with your failures. Don't try to let the devil shuffle them off somewhere into, into the milieu of your life. But what if you've confessed to God and still feel guilty? How do I rid myself of that painful memory? Not by resisting it, but by replacing it. Not saying, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to think about that again. I'm not going to do it again. What are you doing the whole time? You're thinking about it. Refocus means you have to replace those memories with something else. And I don't have to go very far to suggest to you how should we replace those thoughts and what with. This is, you can answer that. We all know what it is. It's the word of God. We need to start replacing those memories, not keep rehashing them in our mind, but we need to stop, we need to replace them with God's word. By stepping into his word. By allowing his word to change us but more importantly, allowing his word to refocus our energy. Stop focusing on what you don't want and start focusing on what you want. Secondly, what's the best thing to focus on? God's word. Psalm 1 says what? Happy are those who are always meditating on the word of God. They're like trees along a river and do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. There are two things that everybody wants in life, happiness and success. And if you say, I don't want any of that, then you're truly lying. The antidote, the answer, the way we get this is in the middle of that verse, meditating on the word of God. The more you meditate in God's word, the happier and more successful you'll be in your Christian life. That's a promise from God. Meditating in God's word simply means rehearsing God's word in our minds. It's interesting, I read this little phrase this week. It's interesting, the Bible does not say, if you read the book, you'll be happy and successful. It does not say, if you listen to the book, like through a sermon, you'll be happy and successful. No. It says if you meditate on the book, you'll be happy and successful. 
I confess to you for many years, I just, I read the book and I preach the book. But this week I was asking, how much do I meditate on the book? How much do I shut everything else and take even one verse of scripture and meditate on it? And rehearse it in my mind. If we're going to have a fresh start at anything, we need to refocus. And finally, the final T stands for trust. Trust God to help you succeed. Exactly. Trust God and he will, that you will succeed. Depend on him. We too often depend on ourselves to get things done. We too often depend on ourselves. We need to be more trustworthy, or we need to trust God. Some people don't get it. They stumble and fall, and then they get up and say, I'll just try harder. It's like going up to a wall and banging your head against it, and the wall doesn't fall down. You try again and bang again. You keep doing it, doing it thinking that maybe it will fall down. That's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. We need to be people of trusting God. We're at a crossroads at Thornhill Baptist Church. We're at a big crossroads. It's an exciting crossroads. Because we're right at that pathway. Are we going to grow? Or are we going to die? It's a pathway every church comes to. We're right there. And if we want to grow, it's not what we will do. It's what Jesus will do if we trust him. If we try to grow with on our own energy, we probably won't. T for trust. If you keep doing the same thing, then we will keep getting the same results. If we keep being the same church we were 30 years ago, we'll just keep getting the same results. But are we trusting God to do something new? Zachariah says, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but my spirit, says the Lord. Start. I challenge you to take that formula. Take it with you every day of your life. And say, if you have to start, if you're getting drugged into the past, apply the formula. Apply the formula and see if you don't get out of the past. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sharing what you shared in my heart this week. I recognize even in my own life how I have often get caught in the trap of 
thinking over and over and over again of the, of the mistakes that I have caused in my life and to other people. And I take full heart this morning of the words of the Apostle Paul to forget what lies behind. Forget means forget. Forget means exactly what Start is suggesting. Go into your world now in 2016. May we go in with a fresh start, but most importantly, may we have a fresh start in our, mature, in our maturity and our walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Blessed, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.